Before we start the broadcast of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast, I just wanted to make you all aware of the official sponsors for the 2023 series. Our agency are a full-service digital creative agency specialising in branding, web and content creation. They are delivering results in Wakefield for organisations such as Trinity Walk and the Wakefield Cathedral. And they offer upfront, no-nonsense marketing to help you achieve your goals. Drop them a line, follow them on all their social media accounts or take a look at their website and make our agency your agency. If you're a local business in the Wakefield area and interested in sponsoring the podcast, drop Lee or Jamie a message on the Heritage social media accounts and we'll get back to you as quick as we can. Now, over to you, Cammy. Hi, it's Cammy, Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 117 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast. Tonight we bring to you the eighth edition of the Fans Forum and the final one of the 2023 season. It's actually been nine weeks since we last hosted a Fans Forum and there's a hell of a lot to talk about. But before we dive right in, let me bring in my co-host and my usual partner in crime, my dad, Lee Robinson. How are we doing, dad? Hello and welcome to tonight's podcast. Um, thank God that season's over. You know, he's like, wow, what a, what a season that is. The worst in our 150 years we've been going. And it's the worst in our his, history. So I'll be, uh, we'll be interested to see what we've got to talk about. So we're all going to probably get a bit tired now enough for this season. So we'll uh, see how we go. Brilliant stuff. We've, 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 it's our biggest fans forum yet. We've asked far and wide and we've got some fantastic guests and everybody's been on before, so it should be a good jovial, chatty podcast. But first of all, Erin, Erin, welcome back. Obviously, I know you've been on before. You, you've been on the Vacant Island video as well, so it's your third time. Lucky for this one, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, won't, I maybe won't call it lucky, <laughs> but you're back. Um, always like putting my two penneth in, so I might as well do it tonight. Good stuff, mate. And Joe, welcome back to you. I know you're on the last fans forum. Good to see you wearing your, your Trinity top and still still thriving in that that respect. Yeah, no, thank you for having me back. And yeah, I thought I'd uh, thought I'd represent a top from a few years gone by. I didn't really want to put uh, this year's top on. Didn't want to bring bring the tone down. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me back. No worries, mate. And Andy, you're on the first pod- podcast of the season on the fans forum. It's going to be a nice little uh, comparison to see how, how you spoke first of all compared to what you are now. Welcome back, mate. Yeah, cheers. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, funnily enough, I got a few notes that I'd made for that podcast when you sent sent something round, and I was looking back at them actually. So it's uh, yeah, it's <laughs> what a season. Good stuff. Be good to compare. And last but not least, obviously, Dad, you're on as well, obviously. But we've got a Trinity player, an ex-Trinity player, come on the fans forum. It seems like we were breaching the code a little bit, but he's, he's there every single week. He's part of the Past Players Association. He's a good mate of, of myself and Dad. He played 156 times for Trinity over two spells. And we, we still can't stop him from talking about those two spells as well. He's, he's on every time that we mention it. So Gary Spencer, Mr. Gary Spencer, welcome to the podcast, mate. Cheers, thanks for having us. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, it's nice to meet everybody else. So, yeah, thanks for having us back. Good stuff. I'm looking forward to your insight, Gary, because I know you're a keen watcher and you're a, you're a Wakefield fan through and through. So it'd be good to uh, to crack on with that. But, Dad, we'll, we'll start with you. We've had seven games since our last podcast. Obviously, the guys are on the last podcast. We were all relatively positive and we thought we'd maybe get two, three wins and uh, have a fighting battle against Castleford. 
but it was seven losses, <laughs> seven losses, um, six straight losses and a golden point loss, um, seven losses in a row there. And obviously we were deemed to relegation. We've not actually mentioned it yet, but Wakefield Trinity have been relegated and we'll be playing in the second tier for the first time since 1998. So as best that you can sum up, sum up those, those last seven games and, you know, rough, rough last two months in Super League. I think it's just a home now that we got relegated. I think for so long in the season, I was in denial. Even though we were at the bottom of the league, I thought we'd get away with it. That Castleford game was such a vital game. You know, everybody was... I I was so confident, you know, that the fact we got Fafita, Logale, we signed Griffin, Castleford were in such a mess. Um, and I thought, well, there's only one winner. And I thought after that, looking at... I didn't think our away form has been awful all year long. So you, you, I, thought, I thought we might sneak one at Salford. Lee, who knows? But then that Castleford one, it just all crumbled after Castleford. We didn't turn up, did we? And then now, like you say, we've lost all seven. You know, Hull, we got thumped at Hull, 42-4. And then when we'd, beat, when we'd lost to Castleford, we just looked to be on an all-time low. You know, it looks as though that was the job had been done. Even though mathematically we could have got away with it, we sort of crumbled. Salford was an awful game. St. Helens at home, we had a go. Catalan at home, we had a go. Lay it away. By golly, we did have a go. Okay, I was just one, one game too far, so... Shame, really. Yeah, we we lost all seven, but to me, that Catholic... Yeah, even though we were four points adrift at Castleford, if we'd have beaten them once, if, I saw Leith put some babies. If we'd have just beaten them, we'd have stayed up, but there we go. I mean, we we were one of the... All, but there's about 50 of us at, at Leoway. There weren't many of us, and we were actually in the Wakefield stand. We were we were a bit closer to the cast just for a bit of access. But that, that Leoway golden point loss to actually the relegators was, was devastating, wasn't it, really? It was all, yeah, it was because initially Lee Lee looked as though they were going to get 40. They looked as though they were going to run away with it. And then it just didn't click for them. And you could see the, the mood changing around the stadium. I think you got to, I think, I can't remember, I think we got to 10 0, 12 0 on weekend back. And then when we drew level, you know, you could see the tension because they were still chasing a, a top top four place. But you just, I think when you'd watched Wakefield all year long, you just knew, we just knew it wasn't going to happen. You know, even at 19 all, when we needed a drop goal, it ended up in Max Jowett's hands. And, you know, it's just like, you know, nothing wrong with Max Jowett, but when there's all those Mason Linos and there's Luke Gale and anybody, and he sliced it, and you could just you just got the feeling it wasn't going to be our day. But, yeah, we give it a go. Even more disappointing when you saw Cass perform last night, uh, sorry, the other day, getting nailed against Leeds and we stood every chance. But and Andy, I know, I know obviously you were again, you were on our first fans forum of the season. We were positive and saying that we were going to be fighting against Lee for relegation. Um, have you managed to get to any of these games, these last seven games, and what, what are your opinions on that? Uh, yeah, most of them actually. All the home ones. Um, didn't go to Lee. I went to Hull. Um, and that felt like quite a crucial loss, really, the nature of it somehow, because we were on quite a high, and I've kind of half sense we might stand a chance there. Uh, but it wanted to be, and it was it was a really poor performance, and that that kind of it seemed to set in, didn't it? Um, I think the the cast match that was ultimately the turning point, wasn't it? But I think we just we we've just escaped by the skin of our teeth so often. Sooner or later, we were going to run out of luck, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think from 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 my perspective, it just felt like. Everything was conspiring against us. I'm not. I'm not complaining. We, we deserve to go down, but we didn't have enough this year. Whereas in previous years, we've always somehow had enough. And probably, frankly, we've had better players in previous years, haven't we? And, and this year, we just didn't have have enough quality to get over the line. Because, in spite of the fact that I think we deserve to go down, and we got a fairly poor team, I still think we we're kind of probably better than Cass. Yeah. And yet, yet it happened, didn't it? It happened. We lost that match and. 
the whole thing hinged really on on that particular game. And ultimately, Gary, you know, the, the way that the table ended up, it was those two losses to Cass on Easter. Um, and obviously a couple of weeks ago with that 28-12 loss, that's what sent us down, really. Yeah, definitely. Everybody said it wasn't the big game, but it inevitably it was the big game, wasn't it? I felt like if with Danny Ward coming in at Cass, that probably just give him a lift. I was speaking to Milky last week um, and Dave Fafita before he'd gone back and... Yeah, I don't think Mood were great in Cass Camp all year. I'm not so sure he didn't really divulge, but yeah, very similar situation to us. But unfortunately, table don't lie, does it? Um, yeah, I thought that Cass game, I, I felt like when we got back 8 6, and then unfortunately, Tom dropped that downfield, I felt like there, there'd been a definite momentum swing in our favour. But after that, yeah, we just seemed to struggle. And inevitably, yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's caught up with us. Um, after a number of years, on it. And Joe, kind of looking at looking at the games, we were competitive against Catalan and Lee, but it ultimately, you, you scored no points against Salford in your league over forty and over fifty to FC and KR, along with that cast loss. It's just inevitable, really, that we we're, we we're going to get relegated. Yeah, I think obviously there were quite a few fine margins in some of those games. I think, especially the St. Helens one, you look at the score for that, and if you kind of focus on what actually happened in the game. It could have gone a lot of different ways and same against Catalan. I think uh, when you're in a situation like we were, a lot of the moments, they don't go for you and you never get the rub of the green with what you want. The ball seems to bounce the wrong way and everything feels against you. So I just don't think we kind of overcame that animosity as well as we have done in previous years. Obviously, we've scrapped and scrapped in previous years right till the very end and stayed up. But this year, I think, um, like we said earlier, I think it finally caught up with us and um, just those results didn't quite go as way. And I think... Obviously, earlier in the season, there's probably a chance in there to pick some points up as well, but we've kind of pushed it further and further back and, well, time catches up with it all in the end, doesn't it? So, yeah, unfortunately, we didn't make it. Definitely so. And Erin, your your Trinity self-proclaimed uh, biggest fan and you're very positive and you're optimistic, but I think even you were a bit disheartened and just downbeaten about, obviously, the way it ended up. Yeah, you're going to be out, yeah. Like, it, when the final hootle went, I wasn't actually at Lee. I was out in Leeds, but I was on FaceTime to my mum on Merrion Street. Um, this always happens. I'm always on fa- if I can't make a game, I'm always on FaceTime to my mum. And as the drop goal went over, she didn't say anything. She disconnected the phone. I went back to the friends that I was out with, and I went, "I'm sorry, guys. I am gonna have to leave because I am really upset." Got back in my car, cried, drove back to my house in Hemsworth, so the other side of Wakey, in silence, and it just sort of. It just sort of hit home. I think because more than anything, we'd sort of accepted it the week before. We'd sort of gone, do you know what? We're probably not going to beat Lee and we're probably not going to beat KR. Cass might get a win out of these next two. And I think it was just, it's the hope that kills you, The saying, as the saying goes. You know, it, we, we almost could have done it. And that's typical Wakey. We don't go down without a fight. But ultimately, yeah, just in the end, we weren't good enough. Dad, I've written in 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 my own run through. I've I've written how do you judge the last seven games? But in kind of an open question to you, how do you judge this season? Obviously, we're going to talk about what's coming next season after this. But if just this season as a whole, just just looking at that, in uh, you know twenty eight games or 27, 28 games, how do you look at that? Are you are you disappointed or are you just optimistic to what's coming? Oh, yeah, a bit, a bit of both. I think with my heritage head on, you start as the season was going on. I thought we're break, we're breaking records galore here, but they're all negative ones. 
You know, I didn't think we've only won four games all season. And that's all, that's why we're the bottom of the league. And never in our 150th, 150 years have we only ever won four games in a season. So that's the worst scenario, eight points. We, our win percentage is 14%. That's why we are. So, yeah, it is disappointing. We've won four games, and by golly, weren't they good? But there's so many, you know, we've only scored 315 points all season, which is an average of 11, 11 per game. We've got nilled six times. Uh, poor old Mash is, is the worst coach in our history. Not the worst coach, but he's got the worst record in our history because he's only won four of his 28 games, not including caretakers and people who came in like that. We, those When we started, we had 13 successive losses at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you wondered whether we were going to carry on. Where where was our first win going to come from? Because when you started looking at that fixture list, after we'd lost all those games, next up was it Leeds, Hull KR, Wigan, Warrington, and you think, crikey, we might not win a game. And then that Leeds game came along, which both we might talk about it. But yeah, sort of like the, the table doesn't lie, does it? As a, we haven't had the we've had the effort, but not the quality all season. Um, the, the the purchases, the we were dangling on a knife thread with our with our recruitment at the beginning of the season. And then throwing all those injuries that came early on, we were we were screwed, weren't we? Really, that's why we just kept losing and losing and losing. Since the last fans forum podcast, Gary, we've we've had three. Debutants or re-debuts since since then. We've had Josh Griffin, Harvey Smith, and Jordan Schofield obviously this weekend. With your ex-player head on, you look at Josh Griffin right at the end of his career and experience won trophies along with Harvey Smith and, and Jordan Schofield who are just starting their career. All three, all three have done have done themselves proud, haven't they? Definitely, yeah. Um I don't know how true it is, but I had a rumor that Josh Cass uh, had been a name for him. So he obviously had the chance to play Super League definitely next season. So it is a bit of a cool that he's come and stayed with his cells. Yeah, for any young player, you know, I made my debut. I can remember at home against York when I'm maybe 17, 18. All you want to do is play for your hometown club, which is which is what I did. So, yeah, I'm very optimistic, Jamie. I really am. I feel like, I think I look at, Try and look at Lee, you know, three years ago, they were they were like us, you know. Everybody said they were done and dusted, and then Beaumont's come in, put a bit of money in, and recruited not, you know, some experience. Josh Charlie, Tom Briscoe, people are saying, ah, oh, they're probably back into their career. But if you can get that experience mix in youth and people wanting to play for Wakefield, you no, know, we could be pretty dangerous next year, I think. Definitely. So just quickly again, Andy, those three players, Jordan Schofield, Harvey Smith, obviously making the debut for Trinity, Josh Griffin, esteemed uh, veteran of the game. Were you, have you been pleased with what you've seen of, of those guys? I think Griffin's terrific, actually. Yeah, I didn't know quite what to expect from him, really. Um, but I think he, he seems incredibly committed and I think he's, he's going to punch some holes in some defences next season, I think. Uh, the other two, uh, I, I've not seen Harvey Smith before. Um and obviously we didn't see a great deal of him, but obviously it looks like one one who's got a lot of potential here, very good things about him. Um, and um, yeah, John, I, he he actually caught my eye, actually. I saw the stats, I think you put the stats up, didn't you? And he made some good yards as well, didn't he, in, uh, in the time he was on. And uh, so, yeah, promise. Uh, we just got to make sure we, we kind of hang on to him because in the, in the recent-ish past, we've, we've kept producing really promising youngsters, haven't we, who've actually ended up, going somewhere else and it looks like that's potentially what's going to happen to Kershaw and I'm absolutely gutted about that because you know how he wasn't getting more game time earlier in the season just beggars belief for me I think you know really rate him he's got that he's got that 
Trinity mentality, isn't it? He's, you know, it mattered to him. You could see it utterly mattered to him what was going on. Uh, incredibly wholehearted player, but it, it looks like he might be another one who's off somewhere else. So, yeah, great with these youngsters. You know, it's the Corey Hall scenario again, isn't it? Potentially, you know, the people of, of, of talent and, and ability who look like they may be off elsewhere. Hopefully, things might change now with the new ownership. But I understand, you know, it's all about, it's, it's about money and opportunities for players, isn't it? You know, we've obviously just not had the resources. There's no, there's no criticism intended here. It's just that it's hard to, hard to watch happen, isn't it? You know, you see, I mean, Johnson stayed with us for a good amount of time, isn't it? But um, Lewis Murphy, another one who, um, you know, he, what we had one, one great season out of him and then he's injured, then he's off. And uh, so well, let's see. But there's promise, isn't there? That, you know, and, and the news that's coming out at the moment, yeah, sound, it's sounding good. Sounds, sounds. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Gary on this. It sounds up to. Him. In fact, I'm awestruck at being on the same podcast as Gary Spencer. To be honest with you, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't thanks, tell for him the, that. thanks for the memories, Gary. What a man! What a player! Cheers, thank you. <laughs> I'm awestruck as well. I'm awestruck every time I'm in his company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> and Joe, Joe talking about the statistics obviously Andy's just mentioned it there on the weekend against KR Jordan Schofield had our second best average gain he had 10.2 metres per average gain just behind Kalepi Tanganoa from four runs he made 41 metres in 13 minutes so he didn't play big minutes but fantastic stats there for a, for a young lad yeah, I was thinking pretty much just after that game that I don't think he looked out of place in his pack. And I think compared to some of the more senior players in there, I think he probably showed a few of them up. And compared to what we've seen this season from some players within the pack, I think straight away John Schofield there has proven that he is an eligible player. And hopefully um, under this new era, he gets a contract and he gets a chance to prove himself again. Because, I mean, in a game like that, it's always quite hard for players to come in out of nowhere. And obviously, you know what situation you're in, you've been relegated. But I suppose you can go into that with a lot of sense of, you know, there's no pressure on you. And I think he thrived under that. And now he knows that there's a place in that team that he can potentially go for under Powell. Um then it's going to hopefully be a good stand him in good stead for the future as long as uh, nobody comes to poach him, as we know other youngsters in our squad might have been looked at from elsewhere. And it's nice to see as well. Obviously, props don't really come into the into the pomp, and you know the until the mid twenties. And Jordan's still only about twenty two, I think. So it's good to get an opportunity, and he's not just been thrown on the scrap heap at a young age. Obviously, he looks similar. Yusuf Aydin was in the same um, scholarship and academy as Jordan Schofield, and he's been kind of pushed out, or obviously went for a bit more money and care at playing him as much. So these props, these young props, need to be given time, in my opinion. So it's good to see Jordan come through and make some cracking stats. So and he's played a bit of championship before, I think, at Dewsbury. So he's used to that. He's used to that division when he's been on loan. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Joe. Hopefully we can keep him and, and just keep producing these players because he's, he's got the heart for it. I've, I know Jordan briefly um, in the past. I've worked with him and he's got the heart for it and he loves it. He loves the game. Um, and then Erin, this makes for excellent reading. I love my club so much. Do you know who tweeted that the other day? That'd be me. That'd be you. <laughs> and what that was about, Erin, obviously you, you retweeted our official announcement that we've been an agreement had been reached subject to legal completion of the club being acquired by Matt Ellis from DIY Kitchens. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to actually read out the full thing in a minute, but what, what's your opinion on that first? And it's a, it's a huge movement for our club and the takeover. It's been in, it's been in talk for months now, hasn't it? And there's been positives and negatives to it, but nice to see it's finally been announced and a, a bit of a bullet points been made by him as well. Yeah, I think overall we needed a bit of a reset whether that was the takeover without relegation if we didn't get relegated. But I, I just feel like maybe relegation 
if it could come at a time, it's probably come at the best time that it could. So we can just start fresh, start now, stay full time, which I think is the most important thing. Um, and just wipe the slate clean, start again, build build um a new era under under Matt. And um when I when I was reading it, I was actually in Wakefield City Centre at the time and I was just trying to read it really quickly. But and I couldn't believe how many points he was making of like what he wants to do, including, you know, the women's game, the community side, which you know I'm a big fan of. Um, but he's got so many fresh ideas that maybe we haven't had the funds for in the past or even just had the opportunities to do in the past. Maybe with the there might be less pressure on the field. I don't want to say that we're gonna do brilliantly and win every game, but when maybe the results on the field might not matter as much. We've got more time to focus on the off-field things. And I, I just think it's come at the best time possible for us. I'm really, really positive about it. I didn't know a thing about Matt Ellis, if I'm true, if I'm honest. I know he was he's from kind of the area and he's obviously a big businessman, but I had no idea he supported the club. He's written in, in his statement here, I have supported the club since going to watch a game at Oakwell in 1999, where we successfully beat St. Ellen's. I've always been a sports fanatic, but since that game, rugby league was a sport for me and Trinity were my team. So it speaks volumes, doesn't it, Dad? And obviously you're a you're a Trinity man through and through, but it's great to see someone coming into the club who's not just, you know, a bit of a cool cash or someone like that who's going to throw money around. He's obviously passionate and he and he and he knows the club well. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? I, I heard sort of this story going back many months through but friends I know and contacts I know. <clears throat> and I've never I've never heard of him. I hadn't come across him before. Um I heard his heard his company. Um, and I'd heard somebody t- said he was a Trinity fan, but like you say, most of them, when you've been down on the ground for so many years, you I wouldn't say we know everybody, we know we know faces, but I'd never come across them before. So unless he was unless he sort of sat somewhere or stood somewhere we didn't see, I don't know. But yeah, if if that nineteen ninety nine match was a good start, how many is that? 20, 25 years, isn't it? For our, our full Super League uh, history. So yeah, it's sort of it's good to know he's sort of got some uh, passion. A bit like John Minas. John followed the club for fifty years, so he hasn't sort of come from nowhere. So it's great to, to know a little bit about the club as well. So his, his bullet point for anybody who's not seen the news story, I'm sure everybody's read it out there, but I'm just going to read out a few of the bullet points he's made. A few mm-hmm. are kind of by the by. You would expect someone to to kind of speak like this. He's written. I want to invest finances in the club to allow the to have to allow us to have the budget to maintain a full-time playing squad and to bounce back into Super League and then to challenge to be a top six Super League club in the coming years. And I want to create a winning culture at the club where everybody involved with the club gives 100% effort, which is pretty standard. You'd expect that. The top six finishes up and down. You, you know, we're, we're, it's optimism. We like it. But Gary, the next point, which which surprised a few. Um, not 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 a few, but surprised a few more. Um, appoint Daryl Powell as the new head coach on an initial four year deal. Um, a shock, a shock. Sometimes, obviously, we know he's a, he was a free agent. Daryl has not been working since his loss against Wakefield for for Warrington, Warrington Wolves. But Gary, what's what's your opinion on on Daryl Powell coming in on a four year deal? There. Um, first of all, I'd like to say I'm, you know, my disappointment um, goes out to to Mash. I messaged him actually. I was up in Lakes on. Saturday from uh, it was Bev 60th over weekend, so we went up with friends. and I, I read a statement myself. I were in, we were having a coffee in a shop, and I, I was just looking to see if they'd announced Leeds team, you know, against Watford on Saturday. <laughs> and I saw, I saw it flip up, so yeah, I read everything that were, were put. Uh, I messaged Mark and just said, you know, 
all the best in the future because at, at that point I didn't know whether Mash was staying or moving on or having any kind of role at club, which I hoped he would have done. Um, but yeah, regarding appointment, I think Daryl's obviously things didn't work out for him at, at, at Warrington, but I don't know what kind of team culture he were walking into at Warrington. You know, he definitely proved how good he was at Cass and at Featherstone. I was speaking to Stu last week, me, me and your dad and Stu were at uh, Wakefield Cathedral on Thursday night for 150th anniversary and, and we're speaking to Michael and, and John, who was, no matter what people say about Michael Carr, it, you know, people need to remember he saved the club 10 years ago and, and, and he's kept this club afloat in my opinion, so I have nothing but massive gratitude towards Michael and recently John, but yeah, I also think Phil Darrell from what Stuart had said he worked with him at Featherstone and he said if you've got an honest bunch of players Darrell will definitely get best out of them players so and even when you look at Warrington this year what did they do 7-8 were they unbeaten at start and then obviously it's all gone Pete Tong there so but for what reason who knows so yeah disappointed for Mark because I felt like he were he were given a tough task this year with recruitment and then obviously he got an assistant in, in Ford, he then went. So, you know, what kind of help we might get in, I'm not so sure. But uh, now I'm pretty positive on Daryl. I feel like if he could attract a few players in championship and, and let's not kid ourselves, it's not going to be a cakewalk for us, is it? Because there's a lot of good teams in that championship. I, I think York are going to have a good go. And, and every team, you know, sport, sport, isn't it? Let's not feel like we're going to whitewash everybody in championship because I just don't think it'll happen. But... Yeah, really positive about Dal. I don't really know him. He came to us um, players' dinner last year when we had uh, Yorkshire Cup, uh, 30 years Yorkshire Cup when we beat Sheffield. So he came with quite a few at Sheffield players and spoke really well. So, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic. But like I say, I'd just like to pass on my thoughts to, to Mash, really. Yeah, Andy, and, and again, positive news about Daryl Powell, but kind of, I know he's not had the hardest season and statistically he is our worst ever coach, but I feel like Mash deserved a bit more respect in, in leaving the club and he didn't really have a statement or anything leave in, in his in his kind of exit. Is he still there, Andy? Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, I lost my signal, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm back, sorry, I didn't catch what you said, uh, Jamie. I was just I was just saying it'd be it would have been nice if a bit more respect if Mash would have got a bit more of a, a respectful exit with him with the club. Yeah, it didn't work out very well, lad, did it? Um, in terms of the maybe the the announcement and so on and so forth. But I think um, my thoughts on Mash, I, I I I had a load of respect for him actually, and I, I don't know how on earth he kept the players battling as well as they did do, in spite of the fact that it was such a miserable, miserable, repeated experience for them getting out on the pitch. You know, the defensively, um, I, I, you know, we, we conceded we conceded points and if if, it, if, the, if the attack had been firing, we'd have probably been all right, wouldn't we? Because in actual fact, we weren't, we weren't getting mullered and if we if it had been scoring points, the opposition would have probably scored less. And I think somewhere along the line, that I admire him for the fact that he was able to keep Keep the keep the players galvanised, in spite of all the results. Repeatedly, you know, it must be a very demoralising place to be. I had got I, I, the flip side. I, I've got I had reservations about his, his kind of um, some of his selections, which I think yeah, I'm not going to go into them because I think that you know most people have probably got similar similar thoughts. 
But um, he was dealt a, a very, very difficult hand at the start of the season, wasn't he? Um, and he's, he clearly is a, you know, he's a, he's a decent bloke, um, and he seems well regarded by people. I think in the Daryl Powell, we've I think we've always felt down at Wakefield that when we've had coaches who've tried to potentially crack the whip and professionalizers, which I think Daryl Powell will probably aim to be doing. Um, just looking at his demeanour and how how he kind of goes about his business, I, I, it, it's been a. I think that's sometimes been a challenge at, with, with Wakefield, because because of the nature of the teams we've put together and the kind of players that we've had, it's been a, a slightly different culture. Uh, seemingly, Brian Smith tried it, didn't he, before? Um, and and from what we hear, perhaps Poaching was someone who tried to crack the whip and perhaps some people weren't too on board with it all. I might be misreading that situation. Uh, and I'm not, I, I kind of think it needs it, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not being negative. I think, I think, um, I think Applegarth was um, probably a very positive arm around the shoulder individual. Um, and I think somehow or other, we need to somehow transition into a club that's got slightly higher, more, more, consistently professionalised standards. That's, um, and I, I say that with uh, with a lot of respect for, for, for Mark Applegarth. Um, I, I think it'd be really interesting to see how we go. Yeah, good stuff. And then kind of the next point, Joe, I, I feel like you'd be, you've been interested in this because I know you're, you're very interested in the recruitment side of things and how we've been managing the past couple of years that we're going to appoint a recruitment and salary cap manager to ensure we have fully researched every new signing for the club. It's quite interesting, especially of a club at a championship level and something we've not really had at the club before. Yeah, and I think it's probably a step in the right direction. I think I don't think anyone can probably uh, say anything otherwise than his recruitment the last few years probably hasn't been as good as it should have been in terms of, you know, looking for the right players. And I think a lot of times we've jumped on players that agents have come to us uh, with, as opposed to, say, like looking for players ourselves and kind of going that way. So I think it's probably the step in the right direction. It's a step we really need to make. I think um, back when we had John Keir alongside Chris Chester, I think recruitment back then was a bit stronger because obviously John Keir had that role of director of rugby and um, they, he were using that. It was a similar role. Um, I think that's what this salary cap manager sort of is. It's a a pseudo head of rugby kind of thing um so i think it is something that we needed um and i think especially becoming a club now that has to come out of the championship it back into super league i think it's the right option for us to have someone like that because it kind of it creates that better scouting network and especially when you make the bridge from the championship to super league you're going to be needing kind of players that can go straight in there and kind of establish themselves in those positions so having somebody who can look around the globe for that um, is probably beneficial. And I certainly think our NRL recruitment hopefully will improve because of that. Um, as we know, in previous times, we haven't had particularly the best NRL recruitment. Uh, so I think we can certainly look for some better players down there that are more suited to the club, um, as well as being talented players. Um, so it is a big step in the right direction, I think. Not to put you on the spot, Joe, but any, any ideas come to you out of, of who you'd like to see in that position? Well, I've seen a few people throwing names around. I think once uh, somebody threw the name of like Andy Kelly around, something like that, to look for it. But uh, I think potentially uh, I'd quite like to see Dowie partner with someone from Down Under. I think if we have somebody with those links to Down Under, it'd be quite a nice um, nice person to have. I mean, we're not going to probably get him, but someone along the lines of Richard Agar might be quite a useful uh, candidate for that spot. I mean, I don't think he's going to come back from a 
down under to take on that role, but it would be quite a nice one to have. Uh, but somebody with those links to Australia um, so they can have Daryl uh, looking more on the recruitment in the UK side and someone down under that can kind of um, give us some scouting networks down there. I know that uh, Mash has had a lot of contacts down under. I obviously, he's spoken to um, JD down there as well. Um, so kind of having those links really helps. So hopefully someone with kind of that, a lot of contacts uh, down there will certainly help. That's a great, great um, potential name. There. I didn't even think it. I saw Dad's eyes raise as well as Richard Egar, one of his best mates. So, um, like you said, though, the Warriors have had a great season at the minute. But if we are going to get anyone and we can pay him a lot of money, I think Richard would be that guy. So, um, definitely, definitely in the same, it's a, the same boat with that one. Erin, as well, just a couple more points here. Attract and keep the top players from both UK and overseas markets. <laughs> Engage with the supporters and people of Wakefield to make the club more fan-orientated and a new Wakefield Trinity app has been developed. Um, something that you've screamed about on, on previous podcasts, we need more fan involvement. We need a bit more involvement with the community. I imagine you, you had a you had a wry smile when you read that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not 100% convinced by the app, but I'm quite happy to be proved wrong because we have tried it twice and it's not been brilliant um, because we've got so many forms of social media now. This is just me with my social media head on. Do we need a Wakefield Trinity one or do we utilise what we've already got and make Wakefield Trinity on those platforms even bigger? Mm. Make us huge on TikTok. You know, come up with really clever ideas to make our Twitter really funny. You know, provide really good content on Instagram. Do you know that? But that's me just with my social media head on. Um, In terms of the retaining players UK and abroad, I think... A lot of things with Wakefield is word of mouth. That's how we get players from the NRL. Um, They're always like, oh, who do you know? Oh, I spoke to Jacob Miller. Oh, I spoke to Dave Fafita. You know, when we're trying to attract these players from down under, we need to have a really good core set of players here already that say... Oh, come on and come come and play for Wakefield. You know, it's great. This is how it's how we've always been, and it's how it, there's no point in trying to sell Wakefield as a club to someone who lives on the Gold Coast because trying to tell them to come and live in the middle of Wakefield and on two degrees in winter that ain't going to work. You need the players to sort of entice them in, and I think that'll be a really, really important one. Um, and then, yeah, just on the on the fan engagement, we need to do something better on a game day. We do brilliant stuff community-wise, but it's the same people. And by that, I mean it's the same rugby clubs coming and it's the same dancers. Now, I'm not, not at all being negative towards that, but we need some form of fan zone. I don't know if you've been to Hull KR. I know we've not really got the space for it, but that Craven Street is amazing. It is absolutely incredible. And if we could just find a place where you have a couple of food vans, a bar, maybe a band on, it would just make people not go to the con club and make people come straight into the ground, spend the money in the ground, meet up with the mates, mingle with other fans. Batley do it amazingly. They, they're, the back of that Batley stand where they serve food is amazing. And they do that really well in the championship as well. So this is something that I'd, I'd love the club to look at as as making it a full day experience. You come at one o'clock, 
for a three o'clock kickoff. You know, you want to be there early. You want to get the atmosphere. You want to stay and watch the the new players of of, of coming years playing for Craig All Blacks. You know, you I, I I think that's where we've really lacked as a club because there's nothing. And I, I would say it for the kids, for anybody 12 and under, 14 and under maybe, I just think we've completely lost all that. We don't even do face painting anymore. And I used to love that. I used to love getting like the wildcat paw on my cheek and like a number in the middle. We don't even do anything like that anymore. So I think I think that's what we need to look at for the future. Hey, Jamie, I'd give Erin a job now. I'm telling you, she, that's why I keep asking her to come back on. She's fantastic. She sells hey, the club like it's Penrith. Hey, I've applied on, so fingers crossed. <laughs> no, but, 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 but like you're saying, Erin, about, you know, social media's passed me by, but you need people who know what, you know, to sell a club like you say. So, yeah, Matty Ellis is listening. I'd give you a job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think you're right as well with the overseas recruitment. It's very difficult these days. I mean, the NRL's salary cap is about three times as big as Super League anyway, so never mind the championship. But So so players are more likely to stay over there now, and you kind of get the dregs coming through, you know, that you don't get the quality anymore. Looking at the days when we could get Corky or BJ or Solomona, these were players who played a lot of NRL games. The funny thing is now there's a new rule in the NRL that you can't sign for a Super League club unless you've played at least one NRL game or you've got links with English or British heritage. Um, so funnily enough, someone like Jason Dimitri who couldn't sign for us now if he was a modern-day player because he'd never played NRL. Um, so there's that rule. So you can't get these type of players in. I was just looking, the Huddersfield Giants have, uh, are looking at, at, I think he's called Jake Deakin, a player for the Sydney Roosters. who's never played a first grade game, but his mother's English. So that's how they've managed to recruit him. So, you know, you look at, you're looking at these type of players now. That's why you sometimes, and I'm not going to name names, but you're looking at not just us, but other Super League clubs are getting very below average NRL players and, and they're, they're not good enough. You know, alternatively, you do get players like Brody Croft and Jackson Hastings coming over and they're ripping it up and they're brilliant. But the quality of NRL players aren't good anymore. So that's why you need to rely on youth recruitment and, and bringing them through. So you make a good point. And then, Dad, just kind of the last couple here, he's kind of, again, by the by, you'd expect him to say it. He wants to raise the number of supporters in the stadium. He wants to make the ground facilities better. He wants to work with the foundation. And again, I might even go back to Erin for this, but ensure youth, women's, PDRL, LDRL and wheelchair teams get the support required to succeed. So so just an all-round pretty solid, good, good, optimistic statement there. Yeah, was that me or Erin? Yeah, Dad, but we'll, we'll go back to Erin. I'm sure she got something to say. Yeah, it is. It just as a statement, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's really, it's, it's, uh, it's just what we needed, really. It was I saw a lovely quote on uh, Facebook on Saturday. I think it was like uh, it was something like uh, your dog. Had, it felt like your dog had died on Saturday, on Friday, but you got a BMX on on Saturday. It was that sort of feeling where you were down in the dumps on Friday, and then that that statement came out on on Saturday, and everybody perked up a little bit. And it's not just looking at what's going on on the field, which we all like. You know, it's like you say, the, the community, the foundation, the off-field stuff, the, the the academy, the scholarship, the ladies, the whole lot, the reserves, the whole lot needs uh, looking after all under one one banner. Is there anything in particular, Erin, that you'd like to see new in the community setting or pushed a bit more that people are, are realising what's going on? Um, 
I think we do the dancing quite well, and that's me being really biased. I think <laughs> that's something that we have done really well, and that's props to Jodie for that because she she works so hard. Um, I think I would like to see a ladies' game. We did it once this year, and I think it was when we played Warrington. We had the ladies' game on just before our game. Now, why we've not done that, people aren't going to stay after our game for a reserves or a ladies' game. Put it on beforehand. And this is what I'm saying about getting people in early. Put things on before the main event. People will come. People, Even if they catch a second half, you know, get people watching the ladies. They, I think they had the best result last last night, I think, was it? Yesterday they played. And, I, yeah. and bless, I, they've not had the best season. But I think they only lost by a couple of tries. And... They all they took there was a picture at the end and they all had a smile on the face. Mm. And you, you can't knock that at all. I just think we need to remember that Wakefield Trinity is a canopy and it's not just the first team. There's so many things that branch underneath, and it's not just the one to seventeen who play on Friday night. You know, we've got so much happening, but this is where we need to get the communications better. We need to maybe just tell people what's going on more than it just being on Twitter. I know for a fact my mum's had a problem because she used to like Twitter, but she didn't want to make an account. So she was looking at Twitter, but you can't see it now if you haven't got an account. And she she ain't giving Elon Musk that that money. And uh, she uh, so she misses a lot of news and things like that. So maybe this is where we need to get the communications better. Keep having a weekly email. Right, we've got the ladies playing at Saturday at 2 o'clock. Come down. We've then got the reserves on at 4. They're over at Widness. I don't know. Um, Just keep hammering home that Wakefield Trinity has so much to offer and it's not just the first team. Sorry, I've spoke for about 10 minutes. No, no, it's it's, it's very helpful. It is very helpful. Um, and I've got a good mate who works in social media for a big sports club, and they they make a point of every week they will post a graphic of our first team is playing this team, our second team is this, our women's is doing this, our youth team's doing this. So you know, even if they're away in like Istanbul playing an away game, yeah. you know, the, the women's team are playing Manchester or this kickoff times, and they also do a globe setting. I know it looks a bit daft, but they'll say like. Kickoff in Shanghai is this time if you if you can get up and watch it. Kickoff in Sydney is this time. Kickoff in Manchester, um, and again you, you're trying to attract new new viewers because you know if, if you live in in the ass end of nowhere you're not going to have no idea. But if you know it kicks off at this time, at least you can follow the score on Twitter. You know, I know people who live in Australia who are Wakefield fans, and sometimes they have no idea. So yeah. you definitely make sense what you're saying. If I if I can just mention one thing, I've got a, a mate at work who, God bless her soul, she's a Fev fan. Um, we're not all perfect, um, but when she can't make a game, they've got Rovers TV. Now they've got um, George. I can't remember his surname. Who used Riley. to work for George Riley? Yeah. yeah. So they live stream every single Fev game. Right. Now, surely we've got the capacity to do that. Some somehow they film every game with TC. Is there no way that we could then transmit that to a live feed? We don't need him presenting and reading out the teams. It could literally be what you watch on Trinity TV, where they put it on as the players come out, stop it at half time, start it again when players come out. This is where you know 
because you might not get many people going to as, as many away games because it is so far next year. You've got your Barrow, your Whitehaven, London, um, even Widnes in, in close, really. You know, let's look at live streaming games because we're not going to get the Sky. People aren't going to watch us because we're not on Sky. And if I play, if what I'm hearing, if that's not, you know, doing as well as it is, you know, we might not see us on telly and people might not be able to watch a single week again next year. Yeah, definitely. So for anybody that's listening, welcome back to the Erin show. So um <laughs> <I'm always joking. laughs> So Andy, just moving on to kind of next season. We spoke about Daryl Powell. There's rumors of signings. We've only got I think seven or eight um players in for next year so far. You know, we, we've seen rumours. We're basically being linked with with everyone who's a, who's a free agent at the minute. Ian Thorne has been linked. Peter Metaltia, Jermaine McGilvery, I've seen who's been linked as well. Is there any particular player, or any particular position you'd like to see filled quite early on? Uh, I still worry about us at half back. If I'm honest, um, I, I, I thought when Gale arrived, uh, it, it, initially he seemed to make a really big impact, but it seemed to um, I don't know. I don't know what his legs are how much he got left in his legs. Uh, Mason, who, who I like, but he's not a playmaker, is he? Um, and so, I, and then, you know, once injuries strike, we've been had such rotten luck with injuries, haven't we? If, I think if we hadn't had all the injuries we've had, we'd have probably stayed up this year. Anyway, that's what that's happened, isn't it? But in terms of the future, it, I think we definitely need some 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 good cover there. The set, it's... I don't know what's happening with Dagger. It sounds like he might be off, but I worry about Dagger's physique, injury-wise. You know, I like him, uh, and he can, he can clearly play, um, but he's very wiry, isn't he? And he just seems a little bit injury-prone to me. Um, so that, that to me, seems like a really important um, thing. The uh, McGilvery, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather keep Kershaw, but... Uh, McGilvery is a pretty good shout, I think, isn't it? I don't know a lot about Thornley. I've never have done it. My mate sent me a, a, a wiki page about him. I had, to, I had to have a look at that. But it seems to have never quite fulfilled his potential from what I've kind of been able to pick up. Um, and Metautia, well, he, I think he's a player, Metautia. I, I saw him a few times at Warrington this year, but he, um, he did seem a little bit error-prone. But you know what it's like when you're playing in a side that's up against it? Um, confidence disappears, doesn't it? And 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 it just seems to be more errors. But I, I think certainly McGilvery and um, Metautia um, could have or could potentially do another year in Super League. Actually, so I'd be very happy with them. Good, good, good halfback. You know, someone who's got some proper ability at, at that level. You've got to recognise it. What what level we're at, haven't we? But. Um, I think that's that's the one that particularly worries me really. And, half back and, role. And Joe, any any names screaming out for you that you've even had a thought of, or any free agents that you're looking at? Or, you know, what what position are you looking to to recruit? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, like you say, we've only got what seven signed up at the minute, so there's quite a lot um, of room there. I'd like to get some of those young lads signed up first and foremost. I think there's a, a potential there to build a squad around a few of them in the future. Uh, I think young Ollie Pratt, I thought um, against Ulkiari, kind of stood out there. So I'd certainly like to get players like him and Harvey Smith, John Schofield, kind of tied down first and foremost. Um, but going forward, I think. Um, I really want to see us get a ball playing loose forwards. I think um, we played some of his best rugby uh, under Chris Chester when we had Joe Westerman. 
Um, and I think that was kind of a key part of us back then. Um, so I'd quite like to see someone in that role. I know Jay Pitts has kind of stepped into that, and I think we've had countless players play there this season, Liam Kerr and Tony. Um, but I don't think anyone's quite hammered it down saying it's their position. So I'd quite like to see us grab someone in that position that we can kind of lead lead the pack forwards. Um, and I mean, obviously, we do need a full new forward pack. I don't think um, we have a single prop signed up yet. Um, so we might need a fair few of those. Uh, there's a few, obviously, rumours about players that might fill in that role. Rumours of potentially like Gil Dudson coming in from Warrington, one of obviously Powell's former players. Um, but I think um, we obviously need a full pack there. And I think it will benefit Lino and potentially Gale or whoever plays next to him if we can get that pack fully firing this year. I think it's potentially one of the downfalls this year. There's been a lot of critique for Lino and Gale. Um, but I think that half of that critique can probably come off a misfiring pack. Um, so this year, if we can kind of look forward to get that strong, physical, fast uh, forwards, then uh, hopefully Lino and Gale or whoever's playing at halfback for us kind of shine off the back of them. Um, so obviously... I think forwards is where my target would be, uh, especially at the start of the season, um, especially saying the three signings we look like we're probably going to make are all backs at the minute. So forwards, I think, is where we need to focus. Superb, mate. And Gary, you, you were part of, of kind of two different areas at Trinity. One where you actually unfortunately got relegated yourself, but one where you won a trophy and came well. But the, the, main, the main kind of recipe of that, you had good local youth players, didn't you? Obviously yourself, righty, and, and the lot, and, and, and um, you know, Slater, Slater, Pricey, and all them lads. It's important that we try and keep, you know, Lee Kershaw, Sam Essay, Jack Croft, and, and even if they're not going to be playing every single game next year, it's, it's important we try and keep those local young lads, isn't it? Totally agree, Jamie, yeah. I were, from, a, from being five or six, I came and watched Wakefield and, Everybody who I spoke to and, and joined later on, like Billy Conway, Normie, Slap, Righty, all played junior rugby around Wakefield area. So you, although I didn't really know many of them, it was only when I was 15 that I got introduced to like Billy Conway and, and Potsy and um, Steve Green. Uh, and then we went on to form Charleston and then Trinity Colts. So we had a really good bond at that. But yeah, I feel like, I do feel it's important, Jim. I feel like you've got to have those lads who have, who know what Wakefield Trinity's heritage is all about. You know, I used to come to games, I knew Harold Point and he had our shop in, in Kelthorpe. So I was always introduced to legends at game at a young age. And yeah, I feel like it is important, but you've got to have that, you've got to have that quality in, in key areas. So uh, I've heard we're after Nathan Cleary, uh, Latrell Mitchell, <laughs> uh, that kid up. Back at Brisbane, I forget his name, Reese, whatever the name. Reese Lightning, uh, Reese Walsh. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. But yeah, no, I do feel it's important. But like I say, I go back to keep going on about Lee. You look back to those, you know, I feel like you've got to have experience mixed in with youth, mixed in with local lads, whatever percentage that is. I don't know. Hopefully, Daryl's got the key um, to getting a successful side and where we can be challenging to. Get as grades as high as we can. Um, but like I say, it's interesting listening to Eden. And just a little point, I know it's totally off ball that we haven't talked about, but I just feel like Wakey AFC with football down there has got a bit of a part to play. I saw, I've been away on holiday in Turkey, but I saw when they played Albury Town, there are over a thousand people there. And I'm definitely going to go down now, uh, rugby season's finished, and just watch some games. But if we can get a buzz from football and get other people involved, and yeah. I think future could be quite bright, but like I say, it's not going to be a 
it's not going to be straightforward as everybody hopefully might be thinking now. I still think it's going to be a really tough year for us next year, but I'm confident that we can bounce back and come back stronger. How often are you going on holiday, Gary? Oh, uh, no, not that much, really. Yeah, we, <laughs> Every other weekend, by sounds. I better not... Well, I will say, no, it's Beth 60th, so she'll probably hear me downstairs. She's got ears like a bat, so <laughs> she'll probably come up and give me a rollicking. But, <laughs> yeah, no, we've just been away recently. So I did... Unfo- I have missed a few key games. I, I missed uh, Wigan game. I were at a family family meal that I couldn't get out of. I'd have been divorced. Um, and then I missed Salford. I were down it with Wright, who were following it. We all went me, Slat, Willow, Johnny Ray, Reevesy, uh, Jow. We all went down to see Wright on his annual Bexley Heath trip. So we, I've missed a few big wins. So I did see at Leeds one that were thankful. I'm glad I saw that one soon as, uh, yeah, we my second best favourite club, not. <laughs> Gary spent a trophy, that one, I think. <laughs> and, and, and and dad kind of looking at two examples of teams that have done it over recent time OKR and Lee who have gone down and come back stronger and, and prospered KR have kind of gone the way of investing into the youth and obviously bringing through you know buying young from other teams obviously buying Batch from us and, and Jordan Abdul and players like that and recruiting Kenny Dowell and having esteemed players or you go the Lee route and just recruit everybody you possibly can who've, who've had some sort of experience and, and you know veterans in the game how would you like us to go down, or do you want us to do something different? Uh, I'm not sure. I, would talk, I know people both at Lee and Ulkear, and, and both both people, both fans say that it's the best thing that ever happened to their club because they were your your clubs going nowhere. Lee had been up and down three times, I think, over the last three years, three, four, four or five years. So if 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 they couldn't get it right this year, when were they going to get it right? Um, I think. I think that league. I don't think I was. What worries me a little bit about going in that league, when you even listen to John Minaz and Michael Carter, I've got a hell of a lot of respect for. They're all talking about, oh yes, we'll go down, but yeah, we'll win the grand final, we'll win the championship, we'll win the eighteen ninety five cup, and then we'll build up IMG points and we'll get that straight back in again. I think we've just got to take it bit by bit. It's not going to be easy, like Gary says. You know, it's like going to Whitehaven away is not going to be easy. London away. Going to Batley and Jewsbury is not going to be. It's going to be like a cup final for them when we come to town. So it's they're not going to be easy at all. So I think we need to go the leeway. I, I don't think we need to pack our side full of thirty plus year olds, which we are doing already when we've got Ashurst and Pitts and Kay and 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 people like that. Which I wouldn't swap. I'm a big fan of those. Luke Gale's another one, but I still think we probably need experience in there to kick our way out of that league and and win the league if we can, and then. <clears throat> Well, they haven't really bought many new ones, really. Ever they sort of got there, and even when they came up last year, I thought they'd be down at the bottom with us with some of their signings all over thirties. But your Chandlers, your Hardacres, your Briscoes, your Ollie Holmes, and the, the those three overseas lads they've got, they've, they've done they've done well. I think we need like the, the this recruitment officer. I think we need to scour the uh, Australian market quite well. But like you've just said, um, although is that a Super League ruling where you're not allowed to play over here if you haven't played first grade? Can you play in the Championship if you haven't? I don't know about championship actually. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I know it's. I know it's. I know it's definitely Super League. Um, yeah. But champ, I'm not sure if it's just. I don't know if it's a visa thing. I think it might be a visa thing now, as opposed to just a specific league. Something yeah. has changed, whether it's Brexit or I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I need to read more into it. But it's it's a, the visas changed since the days of JD, for example. You can't just come over without any specific experience. You need to either play NRL or have some sort of heritage link. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's what we need to do. We need to get some experience, sort of keep what we've got, buy some more experience, buy some good quality experience Aussies, maybe a standoff to get us out of that league and, and, and keep our young ones as well if we can. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know if I'll I don't know if I'll be around or be able to go to Barrow away, White Avenue and all these, but I'm I'm weirdly looking forward to it in a in a in a weird way. I don't know why. But just just before we move on properly, we'll we're kind of gonna do kind of our own little jokey awards and who we think is is player of the season and whatnot. But there's there's one bloke we haven't spoke about. We we spoke about in the last podcast. We've actually had him on the podcast for the second time this year. I'm going to go around each of you because he's he's probably my favourite ever player at Trinity, and that's David Fafita. We know what he's done for the club on two separate stints, um, what the sacrifices he made. And, and Dad, I'll just start with you again. Just tell us briefly or concisely what, what Dave Fafita means to you and, and what he's done for the club and his stature of the club. He, he lifted the place, didn't he? When, when he arrived, he arrived uh, for that magic weekend against Lee. Uh, and obviously we didn't do too well there. The week after that, we played Leeds and, and won. Lost to all KR, but we did all right, and then beat Salford and Wigan. The whole place changed. You know, you saw those um, videos, those, those recordings of the changing rooms and playing the song afterwards, and just everybody lifted. Renault Fatoni had a, an awful season, suddenly became a very good prop with feet sat on the bench with him. Even Proctor had to go for a week or two. Um, and But he just... He, he just he just lifted the whole place. He's got that sort of personality. He's engaging with the fans, what he does in the, in the community. He's just loved by all. What a fantastic bloke he is. Brilliant stuff. What about you, Gary? What, what's Dave Fafita mean to you? Yeah, I think just spirit. Um, I come across Dave quite a bit on his first spell. Uh, and I'm just going to say one thing about, you know, sometimes as a player, uh, I know Speckies don't really like to see lads Sometimes after a game, if you've had a defeat out in town, I'm not saying go into town, but I think players have got to have a place where they can go and just sort of fuel things out themselves with a beard after. Um, and sometimes that's the best place to sort it out between yourselves. So I think they've definitely brought that back to the club, like like your dad said, you know, after after Leeds game and you saw, I don't think anybody knew Trinity song, did they? <laughs> so I'm the dirty for for a few months and what have you so but I don't think anybody even knew it so I feel they brought spirit and passion back to the club so I'd be eternally grateful for him and he were he were a top lad really good kid good stuff and Andy I said online I said that Dave Feet is probably the biggest influence at Wakefield Trinity since David Topless. And I know a guy you've you've watched for a long time, but just a huge influence on the club. And you know, he, he requested on this podcast that he wants a big Boppers Burgers bar next season. So I'm sure we can kind of compliment that if if possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's a, he's a Wakefield legend, isn't he? There's no two ways about it. He's a, a very talented individual as well. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's, it's that harder. I, you know, you talk. You hear a lot of talk about clubs when, uh, when, 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 when the sack a coach and you get the new coach bounced. Don't you? We didn't get a new coach bounced, but we got a new player bounced, didn't we? Basically, he arrived in the club, and the whole vibe changed. Uh, obviously, on the pitch, but in in the stands and on the terraces as as, as well. It's uh, and for someone to be able to do that, it it kind of transcends just being a player, doesn't it? There's something there's something special about the individual. Um, and that kind of charismatic, charismatic um, um, aura that he had about him. Um, I, I've, over the years, I, I, you know, I can think back to those phenomenally talented players that we've had. Um, some of them more, you know, I, I, I remember back Bill Ashurst, who was just the most unbelievably gifted individual that I've, that I've ever seen. But um, so 
Fafita's abilities were not as great as that, but probably his contribution was just inestimable, wasn't it? Remarkable, utterly remarkable. And I don't think people who aren't Wakey fans, you know, from the outside looking in, you'd know he's a fan's favourite. They'd probably talk about him as a fan's favourite and a character and all of those things. But but when, when you're as close to the situation as we all are, you know that it's more than being a fan's favourite. There's something something ultra special, some kind of energy there that uh, was capable of uh, of lifting people when they were when they were down in the dumps. And what an honourable bloke he is for you know for for putting himself out there, risking his reputation. I don't think he particularly did because his reputation was always going to be intact, wasn't it? But you know it would have been easy for him really to stay back in Australia and think, well, you know. It's somebody else's problem now, but the fact that he got uh, he got on the plane, you know what a what what a guy, what a guy. And Joe, kind of as as one of the younger fans out there, I know you're only in your twenties, but say for example, in thirty years' time, how will you tell your family and, and friends what what David Feeter did um, and what he meant to you? Well, I think he just is Wakefield Trinity. I think that's how you can probably describe David Feeter. I think he's kind of everything that we kind of encompass with the club. He's kind of a a player that maybe not many other teams would have picked up at certain points. And he's kind of, he's well involved with the community, he's spirited, he gives everyone a lift. He's kind of jovial. He's he's a kind of underdog player for, you know, compared to like certain props you see in the league, he's probably not as fashionable and kind of modern as all them, but he's he's given absolutely everything. Um, And realistically, he's just kind of what we kind of embody as a club at Wakefield Trinity. And I think in in times going into the future, I think he'll be a player that's mentioned through everyone's lips, really. Whenever you see a new prop, everyone will be saying, do you remember David Fafita and everything? And I think going into the future, I don't really think, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to live up to that kind of reputation, um, certainly for any prop to do. But I mean, there's the baseline and that's kind of what you want. That's what you want from so many players. I certainly think if you had a squad of 13 David Fafitas, it might be a bit of a nightmare, like, but um, I certainly think having a few players like that is uh, never going to go amiss. And yeah, I just think, you can't really understate how much he did for the club. And it would be quite nice if somehow the club can keep him involved. Obviously, I don't expect to see him play for us again. I don't think he's going to make that flight. Um, but potentially down under having him sort of some sort of motivational capacity, like kind of, you know, talking about what it means to play for Wakefield and kind of getting him to kind of do some speeches for the players at some point. We saw how much he lifted Rena Fatoni and uh, Sam Essie, who were kind of coaching quite well. So I think if we can keep him on in some sort of capacity as a, I don't know, down under motivational coach, is that a job title you can have? Uh, something along those lines, keep him kind of involved with the club. I think it would give everyone a boost, especially, you know, in times when it might look a little bit bleak. Definitely. I could definitely see it. We could have him as an ambassador role. He could be a club ambassador, yeah. couldn't he, in, in Australia? And, and Erin, I, I know we're a similar age and we've only ever really known Super League. I can vaguely, vaguely remember his playing in the second tier in the 90s, but... You know, we don't have much much fortune, many players to look at and, and kind of idolise, but Dave Fafita is one of those that we can kind of look back on and think he was just a hero. Yeah, absolutely. I think I tweeted when he when he announced his, you know, that he plays last game at the end of the year that I didn't get to watch. <clears throat> Excuse me, David Topless. I didn't get to watch Neil Fox, but I got to watch Dave Fafita. Like, he's my era. He's my... I, I would put him and JD probably... Him, JD, and Kermo are my three players that, when I think about watching Wakefield Trinity so far, they're my three. And um, when I, I went to the awards dinner last week, and he won Fans Player of the Year, and he sent a video in 
of him holding his newborn baby in a wakey shirt. <laughs> days old, little baby in a wakey shirt. All his family still in wakey shirts. Like, those kids are going to have grown up living around wakey, playing, you know, growing up in Crofton, because I knew they lived near my mum and dad. And, like, they're going to keep that forever. It, it, you know... He's a legend, and and that word gets bounced around so much. But yeah, he, he is a true Wakefield legend. Can we get your mum on for the next podcast? Absolutely, please. Can we get my mum on? <laughs> Good stuff. Um, and then we'll d- just pass it around. Just just a quick fire. So I'm just going to actually ask you if you, each of you who your your player of the season was, who your most improved was, and just kind of favourite moment of the season. I know we've not had many, but just just off the top of your head. So, Dad, who's, who's yours? Player of the season, most improved, favourite memory of the season, favourite moment? Um, I've I loved Liam Kay, the way he's played. Um, I, he's just Mr. 100%, and he's played all over. But in the middle of the season, he was playing standoff, he was playing scrum half, looks forward, winger, full-back, centre, you name it. He's, he's been sort of Mr. Versatile, but uh, just I think he's... Uh, He's got a leadership quality as well as Liam K. I like his style. You know, he leads by example. Um, and uh, I'm a big fan, big fan of Liam K's. <clears throat> Most improved player. Well, that's a tricky one. Um, what I mean, let's just have a look at this, the uh, the uh, the uh, the squad list. Um, difficult really because we didn't have really have a lot of players went backwards more than forwards because like Jay Pitts stayed consistent, Matty Asher stayed consistent, Eddie Batty was quite consistent. Dagger got better. Big, you know, when Dagger came in, you know, it was like a little bit of a, oh my God, we've sold Corey all, what, what will Dagger? So from an improvement from when he actually came in, um, I'll, uh, I, I quite like Will Dagger. And if he goes, that's a bit of a shame, really. But I, I do like him. Highlight of the season. Um, it would easily be, it, it would easy, easy to say Leeds, but because there's six of us sat here, we, we might all come up with the same thing. But my highlight was when we played Wigan, um, we, it's very rare we have a golden point win, and so when with that drop goal went over from Will Dagger, as a group, as four thousand of us, whether a few hundred from Wigan, we wrote as a as a group. Thought what a family we are, and it was just you could just see. And then when it was when they watched it back on television later on, literally the whole where we were sat in the in the in the hospitality areas in the, in the past players box, um, the whole we all went up together. As one, we all the only arms went up in the air, and it was quite emotional, really. So there's only four thousand there. It looked like it looked like an absolute Suncorp fifty fifty thousand sellout with the noise. But that was so that that my highlight was that drop goal against Will Dagger's drop goal when 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 everybody rose together. It wasn't just the seventeen on the field, but they, they did it for the four thousand in the stadium as well. So uh, that's my that's my piece. I think that's my favourite moment as well. I think the night itself, it was a beautiful Friday evening. Really, really nice. The sunset was gorgeous. It was retro rounds. So everybody was in their old old kits. We had a lot of ex-players come to the bar. Um, one of my best mates came. We don't really come to Wakefield games much, and he loved him, loved the time. And it was it was at that point where we thought we're going to actually do this. Even the media and the pundits were saying, "Let Trinity going to come and cast her in poor form," um, and it wasn't meant to be. But it was a fantastic evening and, and golden point. Like I said, I can't, we've only I think maybe a second golden point win, Dad. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the first one against Hull a year before. So fantastic night. And for me, Pitsy was probably my player of the season. I thought he's been fantastic. The only ever present, never lets you down. Eight out of ten performance every week. And most improved, I'm probably going to tweak it a little bit, but I'll say a Tony, just the way he probably improvement throughout the season. Um, poor start, just couldn't get settled. I don't know if he was carrying injuries, but by the end, arguably 
our best prop, um, arguably our best forward, actually making his, his average gain. I like to look at the stats a lot. His average gains were fantastic. Um, his negative stats were always good as well. He very rarely missed a tackle, very rarely made an error, made some made some good minutes as well when you know when players weren't making you know 20, 25 minutes sometimes. But yeah, that's it for me. Pitsy, Rene Fatoni in that, that Wigan drop goal uh, win. What about you, Gary? Best player, favourite player, sorry, best player season, most improved and favourite moment. Yeah, I agree with you, Jamie. I put Jay Pitts as as, uh, as best player for season closely, followed by, I wouldn't say most improved, but I thought Liam Kays had a great year. Uh, I just think we've seen with his versatility that you know, probably apart from propping, you could kind of put him anywhere and he's not going to let you down. So, yeah, I wouldn't say most improved, but I think I'd have to put him there because it, it was very close between Liam and Jay uh, Pitts. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, my best moment, I think. I miss I miss Wigan now and now at New Win yeah. on that family mail. I heard Jay when they got drop goal because I, I was looking on Twitter. So I heard I heard Jay when I went out. But uh, yeah, I think Leeds because you know we've done that walk, haven't we? You know, with Graham and Martin Law and everybody yeah. else. John's health and fitness. We we raised money for for Robbie for MND and then also for Rugby League Cares, uh, like closely with Francis Stevenson who. Uh, so on golf day, they put a nice little video on uh, Fox Trinity Pass Plays Golf Day, which thanks, Francis. So, yeah, I think that would be my highlight, really. And it's always nice to, you know, my history with Leeds, don't you? When they made me go top on me on the moon. So it's always nice when we turn them over. So, yeah, that's it for me, mate. Good stuff. Good stuff, mate. And what about you, Andy? Best player, most improved moment of the season? Um, best player by a country mile, Kevin Proctor. Oh no, sorry, I'm gonna get in. Um no, it, 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 I, I think that's it's been such a disappointing season, hasn't it? That it's, it's hard to kind of there aren't many standouts really, are there? Uh so I, I, I go with I, I go with the the two that have been mentioned. Pitts, who who's exceptionally committed into exceptionally Wakefield in his mentality. Um so uh, and uh, and Liam K, you know, again, attitude. We we've come to love them players down at Wakefield, haven't we? If someone's really putting in, then then they really get recognised at Wakefield. So I go with them too. Uh, most improved, um, yeah. Well, I, I've got to say Tony because he came from such a low base, didn't he? I mean, he he was pretty abject to start with, wasn't he? But I think by the time he'd well, after Fifita, wasn't it? The arrival of Fifita suddenly he, he was a he would a he would a player transformed. I, I I really if we I don't know if we're retaining him or not. I don't know where we're going with that. If 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 he stays, he's got to stay galvanised in the way that he was because it it seems to me when he when he played with heart, he was a real handful. And you know he's got some size, hasn't he? Um, and then best moment, yeah. Oh, it's got to be it's got to be the Wigan win. I mean, he just. Uh, it, it was it, your dad described it brilliantly. It was just a exceptional moment, wasn't it? And and uh, what what a way to win! What a, what a way to win! And and what a performance that was! It, I, I just don't know where it came from and where it went to. <laughs> so what, yeah, what, you, what are you thinking, Joe? What are your favourite player, best player of the season, most improved and favourite moment? 
Yeah, I mean, quite a lot has already been said. I think uh, for player of the season, there's a few that I think if that had been a bit more game time, I think would have probably got somewhere near there. I thought Will Dagger coming in with the situation he came in under was exceptional for kind of, you know, comes in under that animosity of the whole Corey Hall swap. And I thought Will Dagger's been a revelation when he's kind of had the chance to play, but, you know, the situation hasn't really worked out for him there. Uh, Lee Kershaw's been up there, obviously, forever, but another situation where he hadn't had a lot of game time. But I think Liam Kay probably has to get it for where he's fit in this season and kind of putting his hand up, playing all these positions. I think he's played in some of the trickiest positions on the pitch, playing at, um, you know, half-back, playing at uh, full-back. I think he's been thrown into those situations and realistically, he's been a winger for us for in previous years and now he's a hooker and a loose forward and a chef and a barman. You know, he's kind of everything that you kind of include in there. Uh, most improved, I think everyone's right with a kind of Renner Tony. It's like having two different props in it. Like you sign a... You sign a Renner for Tony at the start of the season, you think, wow, what's he going to be like? And then you see the first 13 games, and then Dave Fafita comes across, and then Renner for Tony, the real one, arrives. Um, so that was nothing short of a revelation. I do think of some of the young lads, I think Jack Croft, when he's come back in, has kind of, he's had a tricky role to adjust to after the whole him going over to Australia and then having to come back under the situation of the contracts. So I think he's done quite well. Um, Lee Kershaw, too, has been quite uh, well improved. I think um, it's a tough situation with the wingers this year. Um and then best moment of the season. Yeah, we've highlighted a lot of the good ones. The Wigan drop goal, the Leeds win, the relief after the Leeds win. Uh I'd probably say maybe Tom Lynham's try was it against Leeds? That was quite an exciting one when uh, Tom Lynham actually scores. Uh can't remember which team it was now. Was it Leeds? Feels a long time ago. Um that pass from Lino out to Tom Lynham, that was exciting. But yeah, I think in overall moments it probably has to be that Wigan drop goal. I think the kind of ecstasy of everyone in the stands. Um, not really knowing how to react to you know winning on golden point against one of the teams that are current, well the league leaders now, um, so having winning that game out of absolutely nowhere that probably has to be the moment of the season I think. Good stuff, mate. What are you thinking, Erin? What's yours? Um, I'm just going to echo everybody else's thoughts. I'd go Liam K ran ran off a Tony and the uh, drop goal. I know that when the drop goal went over. I'm I'm not the uh, thinnest lass in the world, but I sprinted 100 metres up to the north stand uh, in tears. And all the girls were like, what's up with you? And I was like, I don't know, not just watch that. And I was just in bits because it was just, it was that hope that, you know, we can beat teams again. <laughs> we can, we can, we can play. Um, but yeah, just echo everyone else's thoughts there. Good stuff. And I put it out on Twitter as well. The majority of player of the season, Jay Pitts, Liam Case. Um, Chris Taylor said Will Dagger as well, which is a great shout. Young player of the season, I put out there as well. Harry Bowes, Sam Essay, taking all that one. And Crofty as well has got something. Most improved, Sam Essay, runner for Tony, Crofty as well. Um, Favourite moment, Wigan, Wigan, Wigan. Big Dave pulling on the top again. Um, and, the, and the Warrington win as well. So, yeah, I mean, again, we've not had loads of positive thoughts this year but you know most of the consensus is 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 the similarities there um dad i know you've got some stats for us again i don't know how positive they're going to be um but a couple of players hitting milestone games and but um a couple of records broken but i don't know how uh how good or bad they, they all look tell tell us what you've got yeah i sort of mentioned a few at the beginning basically a lot of the stats we've got and records we've got are quite the records broken but they're all negative records as as in worst in the worst season we've ever had worst Four victories, eight points, win percentage, that sort of thing. Uh, I've got a list here if I can go through them. Um, players like Matty Asher has played his 200th game for Trinity. That's quite an achievement these days. There's not many of those who uh, go above 200. Even Big Dave got over 150. 
he he his hundred and fiftieth game. That was a that was a good club thing we did. We we miss myself and Gary are part of the uh, past players association, and we were all part and parcel. When Dave Fafita played his hundred and fiftieth, we're all part and parcel and bringing his brother Andrew over. So that and he didn't know that was happening. So we brought Andrew all the way over from from Australia. Uh, I say we the club. And we were all part and parcel of it. So that was quite nice for Dave because he didn't have any family here, obviously. 150 games is quite a feat for Trinity, especially for them in Australian. And we haven't had many. Um, we've only had ever had two overseas players play over 200 games. That was Dennis Booker back in the 1940s. And Milky, he played 200. So for Big Dave to play 150, um, that was a, a massive achievement. Um, Reese Lynn sort of topped two. He's, he's, on, he's our most, most uh, appearance, 233. Before he got injured, 250th career game he played when we were at Salford. Lee Kershaw played his 50th game the other day. Um, Jay Pitts has been ever present. That's quite a rarity these days, playing ever present. Um, Harvey Smith was um, the 26th youngest deputant ever in our history, but the second youngest hooker. So bear in mind how many hookers we've had over the years. There's only been one younger hooker made the debut in our history than Harvey Smith. That was a fellow called John Joby Shaw from the from the 50s. Um, and adding on to that, Luke Gales, he, he, when he was last game, he was 35 years old and three months. So he's in the top 10, top 15 of one of the oldest players to play for Trinity. So I've got a list upon list upon list of useless Trinity facts and figures and stats and things like that. So uh, um, that uh, the other one I was looking at earlier, when we played Lee in the Cup, only 1,500 turned up. The last time we had 1,500 was 1998. So obviously the Challenge Cup's not really big in Trinity's... Uh, uh, remit either these days, but it was on a Friday night, it was raining and it was all pay. So I could go on and on and on with some of my lists. Is there anyone um, in terms of appearances, let's let's imagine they all end up staying, I know they're not going to, but is there anyone pushing a milestone game next year or anything? Um, I was just played his 200th. Max Jowitz played 117, Liam Kay's on 69, Lee Kershaw's just turned 50. Reece, um, Mace Lino, 71. Reese Lane, 233. Jay Pitts has just gone over 100. Um, Kelepi Tanganoa is on 88. So it depends whether he stays or not and whether he gets to 100. Good stuff. And then just kind of touching, I know I know we like to mention, like Erin's mentioned as well already, but um, the other the other teams involved at Trinity, since the last podcast, I'll just read out the results of, of what's been going on. The reserves team, the, I mean, the first game since our last podcast, they actually ended up getting abandoned due to an injury. Um it was 6-0 at the time versus Hull, and the injury occurred quite early on. I think it was a head-on, well, I assume it was a head-on neck injury. The guy made a full recovery, so that was great. I think it was Ed, Ed Hunter, I believe, um, mm. the player. So, yeah, na- nasty one there that you never want to see, especially in the medical department, but thankfully made a full recovery. But then we managed a 54-28 win against Cass, um, and then ended up replaying the game against Hull and lost by 60 points. We lost 64-12 against Hull. The Academy lost 24-50 against Leeds, beat London 66-0, and then lost to uh, St. Ellen's 34-10, which me and my dad actually went to, and we, we performed quite well. The score flattered St. Ellen's there. We played well, and we had a lot of under-16s in that Academy game, so we did we did well there. The scholarship haven't actually played since um, since our last podcast, and Erin obviously touched on it before. The ladies have had, a, have had a tough year, but it's great to see that they've still got a spirit, and they've still got a team to put out. Um, they, they lost 58-0 to Stanningley, 54-4 to Hull and a tight game against Swinton at the weekend. They lost 22-12, so very tight. Great to get two tries there um, and an ever-growing game. 
there as well. And and Gary, I'll come back to you. Obviously, reserves academy scholarship. You've touched on it already. We're we're, we're a club known as bringing through these products, and it's great to see these positive wins and, and still bringing players through at that level. No, definitely, Jamie. I think that's future at club, isn't it? Um, like I've said before, I think we've always got to look at homegrown talent and people who've played locally in area, mixed with experience, and then with quality in key areas. Um, so, yeah, moving forward, um, it's nice to see, you know, we all know Stu and Stu Dickens and he's involved down as, um, down involved at club. Um, then Graham and Martin Law, they've had things to do with scholarship and moving forward with that. So, yeah, if we can produce some great homegrown players, some quality from an NIRL and then some experience, you know, hopefully we'll have a really good go next year. Superb stuff. So, coming, rounding off, almost almost there, but Andy, we're going to ask for one one word and one word only. It can be optimistic, it can be pessimistic, but what's your kind of hopes for the 2024 season? What are you thinking about it? In a word... A word or a uh, sentence, sum it up, a phrase. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm very optimistic. Uh, I, I, I think Gary was spot on. It, it, it won't be a cakewalk any, by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, yeah, I've gone from the depths of misery to a place where I feel really positive and like you said, I think it was. I'm really quite excited about, again, going back to some of those places and and, and hopefully just winning some damn matches again. Um, you know, looking forward to uh, uh, you know a new dawn. Good stuff. Yeah, that's two words for you: new dawn. That's that new that, dawn. That's new something. dawn. I like it. Yeah, I, I got like there it. in the end. And similar, I'll, I'll pose them to both you two, Erin and Joe. We've never really seen Trinity out the top flight. It's probably going to be the first time in our generation that um, we're going to be favourites for a lot of our games. We're probably going to be favourites to win the league. It's going to be weird for us, really, catching catching a Trinity in a positive light, Joe. Yeah, it's going to be a, a kind of strange thing, really. I mean, like, might have a time next season where, you know, singing We Are Top of the League. That'll be a, a weird, weird moment. I'll, although I won't get ahead of myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be certainly a different um, outlook and kind of pushing for those kind of winning, trying to win most games and trying to push as high as we can. And obviously next year, there's a chance we could go to Wembley as well. You know, there's obviously always the chance of, in that cup, um, which could be like a, a massive day out, really. I think. Um, I think everyone will be clamouring for that. I think it'd be a last one out of work, you turn off the lights. I think you'd probably clear out the city if we made it to Wembley. So there's, I think there's a lot to look forward to. And yeah, like uh, I say, it's a new beginning. It's a new era and kind of, well, what, what can you say? Who knows what will happen now? But Daryl Powell and some new signings, a bit of money. Well, who knows where we'll go, but it's certainly a step in the right direction, I think. Are you sticking around for next year, Erin? Uh, yeah, I might do. <laughs> Are you still dancing, or are you, what, what are you going to be involved somehow? Uh, one more year. I've I've given my season's notice, and I'll be uh, finishing at the end of of this year. Like, well, next year, yeah. And uh, opt- optimistic for twenty twenty four. Oh God, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What what's not to be positive about? I am. I always am. Anyway, you know me. Um, if you want to work two words, I'd just say looking upwards. Really. I like it. Good stuff. And and then just kind of last thoughts, Dad, what, what anything else you want to cover? Anything else you want to add in? Anything we've missed out on, you know, just to kind of round off the last fans forum of this season? 
Not really. I think it's just. Well, I think we're all tired now. I think that last yeah. Yeah, last last Friday, you could just tell the players on the field looked tired. Supporters in the stands looked tired. We've, it's been a long year, hasn't it? It's, it's quite wearing. So yes, it's sort of. We have look forward, looking forward to next season, but I'm looking forward to a rest. I suppose in my role when I'm doing Trinity Heritage and past players with Gary, it's never ending. We've got a dinner coming up next month, and we're always doing something with newsletters and what have you. But yeah, I think we just need a bit of a break now. It's sort of been a tough, tough watch and a tough year. So uh, it's uh, let's hope Daryl Powell can uh, turn us round, but uh, I'm not going to think about it until a, a month or two. What's your final thoughts, Gary? Where are you off and holding next? <laughs> um, I think my next golfing holiday is uh, La Cala Golf Resort with Hornet <laughs> Lads. So, but that's not well later next year. So, oh no, I'm off to for Bev 60th. We're off to Reykjavik for uh, shows <laughs> want Northern Lights. So, super. We're hoping we could see him at Scarborough, but I think chances are slim. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, we're off to Reykjavik in November. But just yeah. one thing I'd like to say. Um, yeah, I just want people, fans, I know I don't follow social media. I know people give team a lot of stick this year. And like I said, table don't lie, unfortunately. I'm being great. But I'm just hoping that people get behind club moving forward now. And let's get some people down and let's let's have a positive outlook for future. Superb, mate. I've been to Reykjavik. I was in Reykjavik last December and I saw the Northern Lights. So you've got every chance, mate. It's beautiful there. Down. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Andy, what about you? Some anything else up? Anything exciting you've got going on or, you know, what, what we've got looked forward to? Uh, I've got two thoughts, if that's all right. Go for it. Uh, very quickly, I'd, I'd like to pay tribute to uh, Michael Carter and John Minard. I, I don't understand this nonsense that's gone on in regard to some of the comments that have been made about those two they have been absolutely sensational as custodians of this club. Um, and they've managed to somehow or other get us taken over by somebody who looks like he's got more resources than anybody who I've ever known has been the, the, the owner down at Wakefield. And they've they've got the stand built. They've salvaged something out of the, um, the, the, the carnage of that new cult scenario. Goodness knows how they've done that. I think they've been very, very good. Um, and, and then finally, um, you know, I watched Wakefield for a long time. Probably one of the most enjoyable seasons that I've ever had was that promotion season uh, in the championship. Um, and so if we want a positive to finish on, here's to another season like that. Eh? Good stuff. What's your final thoughts, Joe? Anything to add? Uh, I'd probably just like to commend um, the PDRL, the LDRL team. I don't think we've touched on them yet, but I think uh, PDRL have certainly had a very good season um, from what I've seen. Um, and obviously, we've kind of got the wheelchair initiative coming around now, uh, which has been another big one. Uh, it's the touch rugby competition early in the year, which we won. Um, so I think going forward, obviously, Matt Ellis is quite keen on uh, keeping it, all of this kind of involved together. So the more we can kind of combine the different um, parts of Wakefield and parts of the squad, you know, the ladies' team, PDRL, wheelchair, everything, the more we can kind of get everyone involved with all those, I think it'd be a bright future, really. And I think we can probably be the trendsetters, you know, in terms of keeping every single part of the club kind of at the forefront of things. I think social media and everything will come onto that. Um, so I think all of all aspects of the club, especially with the ground, the pitch, everything, uh, I think it's a bright future. And I'm looking forward to seeing where we go under this new ownership and in this new era. And Erin, just before you round off for us, I know I've actually seen on social media today you you handed over that check for the the danceathon for the for the young girl who obviously lost her life. Nearly four thousand pounds, Rave. That's an absolutely fantastic effort from you all. Yeah, we we are looking to make it an annual event now. 
Um, I originally wanted to do 24 hours, but I was told no. Um, so maybe that's what we'll do next year. But yeah, it was it was amazing the the support we had for that, and we're really really grateful because um, Candlelight is an amazing charity, and it, it's really close to you know um, a, a lot of our dancers' hearts, and and unfortunately a lot of people that I know's hearts as well from from doing the fundraising, um, which I didn't know. So yeah, um, thank you to everybody who who donated. Good stuff. And anything else coming up? Anything exciting that you can think of just to round off? Yeah, um, we've got your five names down for the Trinity X auditions that we're holding next. <laughs> so we've got spare pom poms for you all. Uh, <laughs> holding that at Wakefield College. Um, yeah. on a serious note, if anybody does know anybody over sixteen, um, that would like to come and try out, we'd we'd love to have you and. Uh, because we're wanting to build a bigger squad and be the best dancers, not only in Super League, but in uh, Rugby League in general. Superb stuff. I don't know if I'll be there. I think I am working that day, so I won't be there for that one. Oh, never. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 117 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. You can find us all on podcasting platforms worldwide and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for real-time updates on the podcast. Massive thank you once again to my guests, Lee, my dad, Joe, Andy, Erin, and Gary Spencer. This is our penultimate episode of the 2023 season, so we hope you join us all next Monday for our closeout interview of the season with the one and only Ben Jeffries. I have been Jamie Robinson, and we will catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Triscamara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!